0: Amen. Well, we've been we've been praying and, and, and getting ready and believing God for some big things. Is we're, you know we launched a new series last week, Breaking Bad, and we're trying to break bad cultural mindsets that have infiltrated their way into our lives, into the church. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, the results of, of being a follower of Christ aren't really all that much different than from somebody who, who's never met him. And that's not God's plan for our lives. Hello, somebody, your, your, your life's supposed to be shining bright. When people hook up with you, a lot of times they don't really like you, but they like what's producing in your life, so they just want to get to where you've got. And, and, and that, there ought to be something so attractive to your life that, that people who really normally wouldn't be anywhere near you can't help themselves but from getting close, because when they walk with you, they get closer to God. Hello? Come on, your life, your life should be attractive to the lost. Man, I'm telling you what, God's ability in his he he is great and he is good. He is great. And we've kind of missed out on, you know, on on all the power that God has available for our lives because we've bought in to mindsets and belief systems that are aligned with the world, but have forgotten all about the word. And we're trying to fit in. And God didn't call you to fit in. He called you to stand out your life just ought to be radically different. Amen? And, and, and just by the results, I'm not talking about you should be really, really strange. And, you, you know, you, everywhere you go, there should be a trail of duck feathers or something like that. You know, that's the last thing in the world we want. But, but your life ought to be producing so much life. I mean, think about it. If you've got God life, you've got more life than death, more peace than chaos, more hope than despair, more provision than lack, more health than sickness. And you just can't help it everywhere you go. It's just, you know, well, are we going to worry about that? Dude, I'm all out of worry. You know, we just ran out of worry, but we got a truckload of peace. If you'd like some, we, you know, and, and our life ought to be promoting that that mindset and that belief system because our relationship with God is just that intense. And so that's what we want to. That's what we want to press after. That's where we want to get to. Somebody say Amen. It was, I uh, heard about a recent study, Shelby shared this with me, a recent study that showed that women who carry a little extra body weight live longer than husbands who mention it. <laughs> Just thought we'd share that. Look at Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15, especially us guys, look carefully then how you walk. Be careful, okay? Look look carefully how you walk. The way you go through life, you ought to give a little bit more care to that and live with a little bit stronger purpose. Hello, somebody? You know, we're just reading the Bible. He says, hey guys, be careful so that your life is on purpose. That you're not just living from one mistake to the next. And you don't, you know, don't, Wave your white hanky right now. But a lot of us, that's all we've done is move from one mistake to another. And then we try to deal with the repercussions of the last mistake. But God said, be careful with how you walk. Live with some purpose. Be, you know, live worthy of the life that God's given us. Live accurately. You know, hit the mark. Come on. Live with some accuracy. Be be a spiritual uh, sharpshooter. You you don't miss the mark, you hit the mark. And and if God's telling you this, it's because He's equipped you to succeed at it. Now, I think the enemy wants you to think that you're some kind of a big, fat, hairy loser, but I'm here tonight to tell you that you have everything that you need to demonstrate Satan's defeat every day of your life. So don't, don't live like unwise, witless, but as wise, sensible, intelligent people. Verse 16 says, making the very most of the time, Buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. Making the most of the time. Your King James Bible probably says redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. Uh, By the way, when something is redeemed, it's not redeemed on accident. There's a purpose for the redemption process. And when you were redeemed, you know, we're getting close to Easter and everybody's going to be talking about redemption. But the reality is, is that with the redemption comes a calling on your life. God didn't save you for no purpose. There's something about you, some gifting inside of you. There's something special about you that God wants to bring to the surface. That's why He redeemed you. That's why He sent His Son to shed His blood and to die on a cross and then be buried and three days later to be raised from the dead for you. It wasn't just so that you could have a great weekend. No, it was because there's a purpose that's much greater than you could ever accomplish without the redemption process. And so you've been redeemed. With a calling. With a purpose. And he's saying, make the most of that time. Everybody says, the time. Notice, it, I, I like the Amplify here, because it says, make the very most of that time. There is, uh, you know, there's a bunch of different words in your Bible for time. Uh, and words that, you know, Greek words that we get our words from, you know, uh, chronos, which is uh, chronology, which is like the calendar. Uh, you know, you, you got that kind of time. But really, what we want to talk about for just a minute is kairos. It's a different piece of time. It is a segment of time that's impregnated with purpose by God. It's a, it, it is a moment and I really believe that there are moments in every day that are God ordained. That if, you're, if you don't stay alert th- they, just go, they just go shooting by. And that's, that's really what he's talking about here. Be careful how you live and live with purpose. Keep your eye open for your kairos moments. There's something about these Time, these pieces of time that, that, that are ordained of God in Ecclesiastes, he said, uh, hey, the, the race isn't just for the swift and the battle is not just for the strong. Neither are riches just for men of understanding, but time and chance happeneth to them all. That, that time and that chance, it's not a it's, it's not like some mistake that occurs to everybody has to deal with mistake. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that everybody will have a collision with the Kairos, with a the purpose. There's a purpose. There is a time that you're going to have the opportunity to engage in. So you want to stay alert and awake and with your eyes open. And a lot of us, what we've done is we've gotten so close to the world's mindsets. I'm not saying that you act like them, that you have the same habits they do. Some of us do, and we probably need to grow. But what the, but what the point is, is that uh, if you start thinking like the world, See, the world wants you to just have your time evaporate. But God said, I want your time to be effective. I want you to understand this, that God wants your time to be effective. Mark 424, a couple of my favorite verses in the Amplified Bible, he said, be careful what you are hearing. Notice how often it comes up. Be careful. You know, when you're reading your book, be careful. Be careful. Why does God tell us to be careful? Because if if you're not careful, you're going to miss the entire point. Some of us, we've had days. Some of us have had weeks. Some of us have months. A few of you have years that you're not exactly sure what just happened. He said, be careful with what you hear. Because the way, the, the way you hear is the way you see. The way you see is the way you're going to live. And you're going to live wrong if you see it wrong. You're going to see it wrong if your hearing's wrong. If you don't understand it, if you don't understand that God is trying to connect you with a kairos moment, it's like this moment right here in this silence that God is wanting to speak to you. This is your kairos moment. Look at your neighbor and say, Get ready. He said, Be careful. What you're hearing, the, the measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge. By the way, virtue is power. That's, remember when Jesus, uh, w- when the woman touched the hem of his garment and she was healed and, and, and Jesus stopped in the crowd and said, who touched me? And well, how in the world would we be able to even, you know, this is just a mass of people. And, and now you're who touched. It? He said, I felt virtue leave my body. Power. And he said, listen to this, the, the level of thought and study that you give to the truth you hear will be the level of power that comes back to you. That's why a lot of you have never seen God's word really produce much, because you ain't given much study to what you've heard. You hear you hear stuff like this book of the law shall not depart out of the mouth, but thou shalt meditate there in day and night. You might deserve to do all this written therein, and then you're going to have great success and, and make your way prosperous. So you hear that, but you haven't really given meditation day or night, to, to, to his word. And people will come and they'll make stupid statements. Someday we're going to write a book of stupid statements that people have said. Be a bestseller. God's word doesn't work. No, no, no. You don't work his word. You know, what word, what, what word didn't work in your life? Tell me, tell me which one you were standing on that didn't work. And they, they can't tell you the level of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the level of power that that word can produce in your life. And look at verse 25. It said, for, for to him who has will more be given, and from him who has nothing, even what he has shall be taken away. And I've got a couple of questions to ask tonight. Number one, how do you take something away from somebody who has nothing? Now, it, it just seems like a weird verse to me, you know, because uh, for to him who has will more be given. I don't seem fair. I think we ought to take from people who have and give it to people who don't have anything. Well, I guess God's. I hate to get political. I'm not going to even say that because, you know, you know, we have this democratic mindset, but but we're living in in a in a realm, you know, it's Saturday night. Can I just relax for a minute? You remember? Remember when we were little kids? Keith. Todd, do you remember? Yeah, Greg. Remember when you were a little boy and you go out and you didn't have to have anything fancy. You had a, you know, a garbage can lid. You had a stick. You had a man. You're a warrior. You you ready to go out and do some warfare? You looking for somebody to pick a fight with? Somewhere in the process, we, we lost our garbage can lid and grew up and became Democrats. We don't want to fight nothing. The, the kingdom of heaven will suffer violence. The violent take it by force. You gotta, you gotta have a little bit of a warrior's mindset. You know, well, I, you know, God just don't operate on that level. See, I think if we're not careful, we end up thinking the way the world thinks. Like God's gonna be fair. No, He's gonna be just. And you, you ain't getting no handout. Oh, let me say that again. I might not ever make it actually to my notes. But l- let me just say this to you. You need to break this mindset that God's going to just do stuff for you because he's nice. No, you're not getting any handouts. There's a couple of brothers being born in the Bible and as, when they were in the mother's womb. One of them, uh, and that was kind of a problem, you know, when you got twin boys in the womb because the firstborn's going to get everything and the other guy, he's going to serve him the rest of his life. And he's only 37 seconds late. But in the womb, uh, 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 Zerah was the baby's name. He, he stuck his hand out and the midwife tied a scarlet thread around his hand so that they could mark the first one. But Zerah withdrew his hand, the Bible said, and Perez came out first. And they're in the womb fighting their way out. And, Pe- and, and dude, I'm telling you, this is crazy. Uh, uh, Perez, his name means breakthrough. He had a spirit on him from a child and he accomplished great things because of that spirit, that breakthrough spirit. That's what you want. Zera, he got zero. He had a handout mentality. Well, let me just tell you a little, a little history about Zera. Remember when Achan was going into Jericho and Achan gathered up some stuff and put it in his tent? And the Bible says that Achan took God's stuff and mixed it up with his stuff, thinking that nobody would even miss that stuff. And then all of a sudden, everybody's in trouble. And, and there was this there was this season for repentance because millions of people are going by. You know, read the book. I'm telling you, man, the Bible's awesome. And there's millions of people marching by. How can I made them all march by? They were giving those dudes an opportunity to just admit it and quit it. But they're trying to hide the fact, you know, because when they went into the city, they weren't supposed to touch any of that stuff because that was the first city. And, and just remember this, that the first fruits always belong to God. And they took God's stuff and mixed it up with their stuff and hoped that nobody would miss the stuff. But then they got caught on the carpet about the stuff. And then they had to admit that they had the stuff that they weren't supposed to have. And Achan's whole tribe and that whole bunch of them, you know, they all died that day. And it lists their genealogy. And he's related to Zera. That mindset will always kill you. To him who has, that's the guy that's getting more. And to him who has nothing, even when he has, will be taken away. How do you take something away from somebody who has nothing? It's not that he ain't got it. It's just that he don't know he's got it. And since he don't know he's got it, he don't know when it's gone. So the enemy comes in and rips you off from power and authority and position. You didn't even know you had it. Why? Because you weren't being careful with how you walk. You weren't careful with what you heard. You didn't realize you could be beating the devil up instead of getting beat up every day of your life. But but why? Well, because you just never really stopped to think about it. And that's what the world wants us to do is just buy anything they say and step back and forget what God has to say. Well, just let's just think about this thing for just a second to him who has shall more be given. So when you're complaining all the time about all the problems you have. What do you think you're going to get more of? You're probably going to get more problems. Why? Well, because that's what the Bible says. To him who has, will more be given. If it's your understanding of your situation. You see it as a problem. Or, well, how come that guy's always blessed? Don't seem fair. It does seem biblical, though. Because to him who has, he's going to get more. He has a blessing spirit, and he's going to, it's going to just keep producing in his life. Can I just tell you that if you're going to have some major breakthroughs in your life, it's not going to be because the angels came down and did the river dance in your driveway. It's going to be because you had a change of mind. And you allowed God to begin to change the way you think. You know, we looked at it last week, Romans 12:2. Don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And allowing God to literally change the way you think, so that then you'll know that His will for your life is good, is pleasing, it's acceptable. He's a good God. He's for you. He's a great God. His power is available to you. But you're going to have to change the way you think. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time for you to think different. If you don't think different, you'll end up missing all of these opportunities that God has for you. Make the most of time, redeeming time. I want to talk tonight uh, uh, about uh, about time and and, uh, getting the most out of it and show you a couple of things that God's been showing me. And I'm telling you, it'll blow your mind, but it won't do you any good if you don't give a little bit of thought and study to the truth you're going to hear. And that's why Paul, when he was writing in Corinthians, he was writing to a church and he's telling them, you guys, you, you think you know it all. And that church in Corinth was a lot like the American church. They were very prosperous. They were very uh, uh, educated, very intelligent. They had all kinds of stuff going their way. But they were also full of themselves. And, and, and they were, uh, you know, in a temple prostitution. And they, they were all screwed up. And he said, you, you know, the problem is you guys think that you, you know best. You know, uh, Jeremiah 33.3 3 says, Call on me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Think about that for just a minute. Call me and I'll answer you. This is God, the creator of the universe, saying, hey, buddy, call me up and I'll answer. And I'll not only answer, but I'll show you stuff. One translation says fenced in things, hidden things. It implies stuff you couldn't possibly know God would love to disclose to you. If you would take time to have a conversation with him, he would tell you stuff you don't know. So here's my question just for you and just sit there and look straight forward for just a minute. Why is your prayer life sucked then? Why aren't you calling on God about every decision? Because He knows stuff you couldn't possibly know. And He wants to tell you. He ain't trying to hide it. He's trying to reveal it. So why ain't you talking to God more? It's very simple. Because you think you already know. How'd we get here? Dude, We it's where we grew up. There are people in the room who have been to other... Third world country, other, other places around the world where that's not the mindset. You know, they, you know we're singing, uh, all my days I live to honor you. Really. So you're telling me that all your days, he's first. It's quiet up in this Presbyterian church. We're singing, Take over. Just don't change nothing. (laughs) Hello, somebody. We set our hope on you. You're the everlasting God. What does that mean? You don't change. See, culture changes. God doesn't. And what we have to ask ourselves is, are we going to continue to change with culture or are we going to stop and ask God change us? We want to get back and look at what he said in first Corinthians chapter one, verse 18. Uh, And he's writing to a church that's just a lot like the American church. And he said, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. You know, the world thinks Christians are a bunch of fools and they're laughing at you. But to us who are being saved, we know man. that message of Jesus, the good news, that is the power of God. And he goes on in verse 19 and he says, it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the, the intelligence of the intelligent. I will frustrate God said, I'm going I'm to frustrate that so that in all of their wisdom, they're going to act like they know everything, but it's never really going to work out right. And then, almost kind of like in a lighthearted, fun way, I think God says, hey, where's that wise guy at? Where's that teacher of the law at? How's his stuff turning out? Where is the philosopher of this age? See, the, the whole world has a way that they think we ought to live our life, and it's contrary to God's way. And, and, and they're doing everything they can to propagate their mindset and their belief system, but yet nobody's happy with the results they're getting. I mean, in the world, they, they don't get up and celebrate their results. They just celebrate the way they do it. And they make statements, you know, that, that, that you know, hey, if it feels good to you, just follow your heart. And, and, and if it just seems right to you, just, just go ahead and don't let anybody judge you. Are we stupid or what? God said, you know what? There is a way for your life. He said, you know, you need to ask me for the right way for you, for your kids, and for your substance. You need to seek me and find the way that I've prepared for you. And you need to go after it God's way. Somebody say amen. Amen. You know, in every area, God's way always produces life and peace. Now, you can redefine family. You can redefine marriage. You can redefine morality. You can redefine finances. But it's still going to end up frustrated until you do it God's way. So we ought not to buy into the ways of the world. And what we are wanting to do over the next few weeks is kind of give you a comparison. This is what the world's saying. But let's look at what God is saying. And look at Deuteronomy very quickly. Chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. He said here, don't follow Other gods and little G gods, the gods of the people around you don't follow. Don't follow those gods for the Lord, your God, big G God, who is among you. uh, He's a jealous God and his anger will burn against you and he'll destroy. You know, don't go. Don't be switching gods on us here. And don't don't go after the, the, the little G gods. Look at chapter 11, verse 16. Be careful. Here it is again. Be careful. Don't let your heart be deceived so that you turn away from the Lord and serve and worship other gods. If you're not careful, you're going to find yourself letting another god direct your steps. So you're going to have to be careful. Careful. And so, you know, if you really take time and study the book, there's all kinds of gods that are, you know, little G gods that are mentioned all through the Bible. But there's three that are very prominent. And over the next three weeks, we're going to we're going to visit each of them, because really, if we're going to break mindsets that are contrary to God's word, really what we're dealing with is not just a thought, but there's a spirit behind that thought. And so how do we break that spirit off of our life? And how do we get ourselves free from serving those other gods? But there's three major ones. And and hopefully you've heard of some of these. Uh, How many of you have heard of Baal? Anybody heard of Baal? Uh, How about Mammon? More people. How about Asherah? They're in the book and they keep coming on and coming on and coming on mammon you know the god of mammon and really you know uh, uh, that's all about riches and uh, really all mammon does is it makes you promises that only god could keep and uh, mammon manifests in how you spend your money okay bail if you do a word study uh, just on the word bail Baal is power or uh, it's a master, a control. Uh, It probably better would be self-power. And, you know, where mammon manifests in how you spend your money, bail manifests in how you spend your time. You know, in America today, the average father, and this is uh, uh, research of believers, not not even the world, non-believers, just believers, the average father in America today spends seven minutes a day with their kids. They spend four minutes a day with their spouse. They spend three minutes a day in prayer. And they spend 8.6 hours at work. Now, here's the question. How's that working out? In the same study, it said that 62% of Christian Americans would self-identify themselves as burnt out. Why? Why? Because the system of this world has been frustrated by the wisdom of God. You know, if you wanted another word for mammon, you would say greed. You want another word for Baal? Pride. Pride says, I can do it. I don't need God. If I put in another day, if I put in a few more hours, I'll produce what I need for my wants, desires and needs. You end up at work and your mind's thinking, I really should be at home. You're at the house and you're thinking, I really should be back at the office. You make statements like, well, I'll be there, but I'll be late or I'm coming, but I can't stay the whole time. And your schedule is so frustrated because there's not enough time to accomplish everything you're hoping to accomplish. Dude, I wish I had an hour. Inside, it, it just just let me see this thing for a minute. What God wants to do is show you that He has a plan for your time. God has a plan for your time. Uh, we'll sing, take over. Will you let Him? Will you? You know what? what I want you. What, what I want you to contemplate when you leave here tonight, is would I let God take over? Well, don't say yes. Uh, I mean, I want you to contemplate it. It's the level of thought and study. See, I want you to actually think about it. Because you have to understand something, too. By the way, this whole series in Breaking Bad, really, it's all about family. Which means the enemy's going to try to kick your family's booty Last time we did a series on family, we only had two or three divorces, you know, and that was in staff people. But, uh, you know, immediately the Bible says that when you sow the seed, immediately the enemy comes to try to try to steal the seed. Your greatest opposition will always come after your freshest revelation. You get a revelation that God wants you to love people. Love thy neighbor. Oh, God, it just comes alive. I'm going to love my neighbor. And then somebody moves into the empty house next door and you have to actually practice it. And it gets tough really quick. Hello, somebody. I want you to contemplate this week. I wonder what would happen if I let God take over. If God asked me to rearrange my schedule, would I let Him? Would I really give God that level of liberty? I'm not just talking about you know hey uh, what we're, we're going to do is we're going to all sit in the corner and hum for a little while and see if we get any bright ideas. I'm talking about how about if we had some scripture and we actually did what it said. I mean you know this is how I live my life. I, you know I'm I'm not super impressed. I realize that there are some people who can really flow in different gifts, and and a lot of people you know a lot of times and I you know I grew up in church and, and it, dude it wasn't even normal church it was crazy church that I went to. I went to a crazy church. We had all kinds of stuff happening and I believe in all of that. The problem is, is that a lot of that craziness never really produced great results. I, you know, I've been around people in the ministry, who, and I'm telling you what, man. These—I'm not saying I'm not being, you know, uh, negative. I'm just, you know, it's just. I mean, I've been with guys who are who who flowed in in the in, in a certain realm so well, and I mean, they, they'd tell you stuff about yourself that that you that they couldn't possibly know. You know, when we go to Mancap, Ruckins shows up, and I mean, he he can read your mail sometimes. You know, and then and that that prophecy thing is amazing. I've been around guys that, that could actually, you know, they, never met, they never met you, but they could they tell you your name. But the question is, do I really need somebody to tell me my name? I think I got that part. You, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying, Tom? <laughs> He's got my name. It's a good name. I mean, there might be moments in life when that's what you need. But what, how I live my life is, what does the Bible say? You know, when, when you kind of and you know, I, I can flow in, in the Spirit, guys. Well, why don't we have more of that? Well, because usually the results aren't very good. You know, we have we can have a Holy Ghost meeting, and I'm all into that. But and you know, we used to call it carpet time. You know, you get slain in the Spirit and laid out there for four and a half hours, and wake up and you've had three visions. And but do you live different? You're still angry, bitter, and hard to get along with. So so, what good was that? How about we, you know, if if there was something in the book and, and, and God said, hey, this is how I want you to live your life, would you let God rearrange your life? Would you let him take over? And again, yes. I, I mean, you know, I'm like you. I want to scream yes. But wait a minute. What if we find something we don't like? You know, let me tell you how you're going to break the spirit of bail off of your life. Um, it's really not very hard to break it. All you have to do is do what he said. It's in the stinking Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal. Well, I never do that. Well, what about... Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath, and on it you shall do no work. You should do no work. I thought Sabbath was about going to church. It ain't got nothing to do with church, although church is something nice to do when you're Sabbathing. By the way, Sabbathing is it, is it's actually a verb. It's what you do. It's a, there's a principle in God's word that most of us have, you know. And to be honest with you, you don't do it. I just a lot of time, I just never I hadn't really stopped thinking about it. God said, you know what? Uh, the anointing. You know when we tithe. Here's what we believe: that when we return the tithe to God, that it, we do that because the tithe is holy. Right? The tithe is holy. That's God's. And you bring it back. It's like Achan didn't. He got in trouble. So guess what? We don't want to be in trouble. That's God's. We're going to bring it back and give it to God. And the, 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 it's holy. And the anointing that's on that, because it's God's, transfers onto what's left. And we end up getting more done with 90% than we could have ever dreamed of doing with 100%. Hello? You know, it, it's like, you, you know, it's like, you know, this this giving envelope and and, you know, you tear off that 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 10 percent and uh, and you bring that back to God. And if you watch very much CSI, you know that the right guys could line that piece up with this piece, no matter how many pieces we had. Right, because they uh, they put that sucker under a microscope and they look at that thing and they go, ah, ha, 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 ha ha there is that's the one that goes with that one. And you couldn't fool them either. So when you do that, it, when you return to God what is God's, it marks what is yours. So it's marked. So when the devil says, oh, you're cursed, you can say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, no, I'm not. See, because the holy part has transferred that anointing onto my part. And what God is saying is that we, it, we, what, what, what tithing will do for your money The Sabbath will do for your time. So if you would take what is God's and give it to God, the anointing that's on God's would transfer onto what is yours and you'd actually have the ability to get more done in six days than you could ever get done in seven days. And you would actually have time that you don't have. You'd make the most of the time. You would have a kairos... Multiplication process in your life. Can I just read? You? I, I, I did. I, I, I got to looking at what uh, some Jewish teaching on the Sabbath. And things that, and and what what they and this I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some of their list not mine uh, but the first but first thing just a couple of things to understand is that when well so we're what we're not supposed to work it's not about that but really the word Sabbath means to cease and really what it is saying is that you know what God uh, I'm I'm gonna break this thing off in my life where I think I have to do everything now I'm gonna trust you and and it's really remember when Jesus said in Mark uh he said uh man was not created or, or the sabbath wasn't created for man but man how did he say that Mark did I give you a verse in Mark the sabbath was made for man not man for the sabbath okay uh what what you're going to do is it's a day of worship and what and, and that word and, and you know when it's talking about Sabbath, what it means is to bow down to one who is greater. So basically what you're saying is, God, you're greater than I. You're a great God. And I'm gonna take a day and I'm gonna dedicate it. I'm gonna set that day aside. I'm gonna stop working for money. Doesn't mean that you don't do anything, it just you stop working for money. You stop competing for awards. You you in other words You don't go to work that day, but you might you might do some work, but you ain't getting paid for that. You you wouldn't run a marathon on the day that you set aside, but you might go jogging. Because that's what you're going to do that day. As you set your mind on God, some things to not do. And this is from this Jewish list, things not to do things to say no to committee meetings, shopping, shopping. All the men want Sabbath six days a week now. Shopping. Uh, I like this one on their list. Things not to do. Uh, Things to say no to. Sadness and mourning. Some of you guys need a Sabbath really, really bad. So you can have a day where you quit mourning. To say no to worry. To say no to anger. So you would stop paying your bills and preparing taxes that day. You'd just put that away. That you would say no to cell phones. Pastor Tom, I need detox. Okay, you're going to be okay. Look at the the things they said to say yes to. One, making time for religious reading and study. Make time for getting in the Word of God and studying the Word. Uh, How about this? Playing with family and friends. That you would actually play with your family and friends. That you'd have time to go play. Quiet in here. Look at the third thing. That you would take leisurely strolls. Wouldn't that be kind of weird? You could go to your wife and say, Hey, let's go for a walk. And after you resuscitated her, you could enjoy a leisurely walk. I like the next one. Enjoy meals with friends and family. And sit at the table. When you're done, don't get up. Just relax. Rest. By the way, the Bible says God worked six days and rested one. You really think you're better than him? Just a thought. Uh, The next one. Talking with each other. With words. Turn your cell phone off. Look at the next one. Joyful worship. Just joyful worship. I'll let you read the next one. It's their list. Go ahead. Shalom, baby. That's all I got to say right there. a says, Shalom. All right. Mm hmm. Say, mm mm-hmm. hmm. How, 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 how do we do this thing? Really, it's not about a day, it's a, it's a principle that you're going to bring into your life. You know, I think we need to stop arguing about what day it is. I got to tell you something. Uh, obviously, I can't do a Sabbath on Sunday. There's a lot of work. A lot of us are working pretty hard on Sunday. I need to find a time that I'm going to dedicate to God and set that aside and make that His time. I guarantee you something: if Lionel Richie was a pastor, he would have never written as Easy Like Sunday Morning." <laughs> Sundays are not easy. What, what am I going to do? Well, I, it means to cease, so I'm going to stop working. Look at Hebrews four nine: there remains then a Sabbath rest. For the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest, also rest from their works, just as God did from his. Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Who's Who's they? The world. You got to ask yourself, does your work equal God's work? Well, when you keep working, you're telling God that yours is just as powerful as his. I'm here tonight to tell you, no, it ain't. God stopped. You should. So let's make an effort. In other words, you, you got to work to rest. Because if you won't, if you won't, you, you won't. Look at your neighbor and say, if you won't, you won't. Number two, how, how do I do this thing? Worshiping. And, and, and worship isn't, isn't a song service. If you don't believe me, next time look three people over. You'll be in the middle of a song service and there's a lot of people there are not worshiping. Worshiping, music is a tool to worship. But it literally means, like I said earlier, to bow down to something greater. And as long as you're the producer, you're not bowing down, you're elevating yourself. And God said, you know what? I want to put the same thing that I put on your money. I want to put it on your time. But you are going to have to mark your time by doing what my word tells you to do. Rest. You know, Psalms 92. And if you would look at that one, by the way, in your Bible, in the fine print, it says a psalm for the Sabbath day. And Psalms 92. And look at what it says. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name. O most high to declare your loving kindness in the morning your faithfulness every night you're the high I'm not high you're the high one and I'm going to do it all day long I'm going to worship you and, and he's talking about it's important to understand that David wrote this this is the song for your Sabbath day look at verse 10 my horn You have exalted like a wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil. Look at verse 12. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. You're going to exalt my horn like that of a wild ox. That's enormous strength. God said, you know what I want to do? I want to give you insane energy. And that anointing that comes from that horn, that's incredible ability. And the righteous will flourish like a palm, bear fruit in old age, remain fresh and new. That's insane endurance. God wants to give you great energy, great ability, and lengthen your endurance. Well, yeah, but wait a minute, there's a lot of stuff I've got to get done. You're screwing it up, anyways. It's time to let God be God. Third thing. How can we do this thing? We need to find things that are replenishing. Things that feed our soul. Psalms 23. Read these with me. The Lord is my shepherd. Come on out loud. I shall not want. Look at the next. He makes me lie down. Come on. Look at that. He restores my soul. Jeremiah said, Ask for the ancient paths. Ask for the good way and walk in it that you might find rest for your soul. Our culture's telling us just everybody go 500 different directions, fill the calendar, do as much as you can. God's saying, Slow down stop. Just chill out. There's a story of a man that went to Israel and he was so excited because all he could think about was the, you know, the Biblical symbolism he's going to experience and he's going to see the Bible come alive. And, and he's just really pumped up and, and he's out there with the guide. And one day he sees these sheep coming and there's, you know, the shepherd. And, and he said, oh, my gosh, I'm going to sit down and watch this. And this is going to cause the Bible. This is going to be crazy. I am in Israel watching a shepherd and sheep. This is going to be phenomenal. And the guy was behind the sheep and he had this stick and he was beating him. And hey, 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 hey. And, and he was driving the sheep. And he, he went to the guy and he said, You know, dude, this is really weird, but most of the time I've heard that sheep follow their shepherd, that sheep know their shepherd's voice. And here's this guy, and he's got a stick, and he's beating the sheep. And, he, and the guy laughed at him. He said, Dude, that's not a shepherd, that's the butcher. <laughs> so I want to leave you this thought. Are you driven? It's the butcher who causes your life to be driven. Or are you led? It's the Spirit that leads us. How do I stay in tune with the Spirit? You learn how to Sabbath. Will you let Him take over? I wonder how many families would be rescued. If we had some men who were brave enough to say, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna take a day. And that's gonna be God's day. I know what's going through your mind because I've had the same thoughts. I just don't see how that's possible. I don't I don't understand how I'm gonna be able to do that. This is gonna be But What if we trusted God? There's a spirit of Baal. That can be broken off of our lives. I'm going to tell you as somebody who loves you. And I I was thinking about it this week, you know, in reality, whether you know it or not, there are I doubt that you can find very many people. I bet you could you know I bet you can find a handful of people who love you any more than we do. During, during the week, you know what I'm thinking about? You. Praying for you. Believing God for you. And as somebody who really, really loves you, can I just tell you, you might want to consider slowing down. Nobody at the end of their life wishes they would spent more time At the office. The things that matter most today, just an hour or so before church, I put a thing up on Facebook. If you had more time, what would you love to do? 80% of the responses already had something to do with family. What do you think would happen if you said, you know what, guys, our lifestyle might change? We're going to do life together. We're going to trust God. We're going to let God. I bet you'd get more done in six days than you could ever get done in seven. I bet if you gave God a whole day. Some of us, we think going to church satisfies that Sabbath. You come, That's an hour and a half. I, like I said before, I think going to church is a great thing to do on your Sabbath, but I think you need to give Him a day. I don't think it's important which day it is. I think it's just important that you find a day. And you say, this is your day. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and Sabbath it. I want you to bow your heads and